It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, let's go in the lab. Okie doke, for the first time since September, John, we are doing in the lab. After a loss, and you know yeah, what? I don't like that. We're not going to uh, we're not going to belabor the loss because the game is coming up so soon. I mean, it's, it's Wednesday, we're playing Saturday. The Texans are. Here's what I'm going to say about this last loss, and you you kind of disagree with me respectfully, and I still disagree with you respectfully. But before we get going, we want to remind you: please check us out on iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher. And if you're there on iTunes, could you do us a favor? Could you leave us a rating, a star rating? We love five stars, but just give us a rating. And then also leave us a comment because we want to get better. We want you to love us. Most of all, though, we just want you to listen. Texans lost by field goal. They're up 7-zip, second quarter, maybe late first quarter. Uh, they hit that long ball to Demarius Thomas. They go up mm-hmm. 14-0. Yep. And I think from that point on, they probably – they maybe not coast like they had the previous two games, but they've got a nice cushion, and they're going to be just fine. So I'm not. I'm just really not all that, uh, not all that torqued about this loss because it was really just a little bit of an overthrow, and we've seen Deshaun Watson make so many deep balls, co- connect on so many deep balls, and I think the uh, the Texans will get right back on track this week. Yeah, it's not so much that I disagree with you from that from the standpoint of you take I, a fourteen to nothing lead. We were quibbling about the the slot receiver position. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there were I think there were a lot of factors that went in that went into Sunday's performance, but. If you do take a fourteen to nothing lead, you already at that point had effectively rendered their running game useless. Which it kind of was anyway. I mean, you had already rendered it useless, but fourteen to nothing just completely takes it out of there. <clears throat> but you I think worst case you go into halftime fourteen fourteen. I don't think you give up that three before the half. Yeah. You go up fourteen you go fourteen fourteen into the locker room and you came out of the locker room and you scored on that big drive. So you take the lead, so they come down, they tie to twenty one, and then now you're playing a you know tooth and nail game at that point. But I I just my my thought with that was Andrew Luck got in some kind of zone. When they when they hit the deep ball to T Y, it was like he he entered some like other world. Which he can do. Yeah, he's, and he's that's good. the scary he's part. Really good. I'm Drew, I said this the other night on all access and, and I don't know if you agree or disagree with me on this, but when a Texas took a 28-10 to 10 lead, that was about up in Indy in week four. That was like seven minutes left in the third quarter. We, had that long, we did the same thing in both games. Which I was going to talk about after you make this point. But yeah. yeah. So we had a seven-and-a-half-minute drive to start the third quarter then, seven-and-a-half-minute drive in uh, last week's game. From that point, from Andrew Luck, from that through overtime, if you took that stretch, and then you took the stretch from middle of the second quarter Till the middle of the third quarter, if you strung that together, what's that like? Six hundred yards, probably eighty-five percent passing. It's five the best touchdowns, no no picks. Basically. It's the best game of any NFL quarterback this yeah. year. It's the best I've seen any NFL quarterback this year. That's my like. I'm just He's kinda, phenomenal. Kind of eyeballing. I, yeah, yeah, it was something like that. He was, he was amazing. Yeah, it, and it really was such a condensed time frame. I think that's what we, was weird because in the first quarter, first quarter, quarter and a half, they did nothing. Uh-huh. They did nothing. How about that though? You bring. I, I wanted to bring that up. So. At Indy, the first drive after the intermission, because you had won—I don't know if you'd won the toss or what—but you were ki- you were receiving 
each second half kickoff this week mm-hmm. and in, in week four. Yeah, it's the two longest drives play-wise and yeah. time-wise of your season. You you go into the middle of the third quarter before they get the ball back. I mean, those are boa constrictor drives where you just choke them out. And usually, that's that's almost a death knell for a team, the right. opposing team, when you do that to them. So credit to Indianapolis for coming back and answering. Had Had the Texans scored like they did and then maybe gotten a three and out yeah. this week, I think – I think it's a whole oh, it's different a, ball of wax. No, there's too, no question. I think anyways, to, it's to, to Andrew Luck's credit and the Colts' credit, he's a zombie. The the when the Texans got a 28 to 10 lead up in Indianapolis after that long drive, they answered with a touchdown. Yeah. When the Texans came out and made it 17 14, he answered with a touchdown drive. I mean, they answered. I mean, you got to give him credit for that. They answered the Texans' long drives with touchdowns. One, they were trailing and they went into two minute mode. And then one, they were still ahead by three, but knew we got to go down and get some points. Yeah. And three points isn't going to do it. We got to go get a touchdown, and they did. I find, I, I you know, it's interesting. You you mentioned kind of the long nature of those drives. I think what's what's interesting about them is in in Indianapolis. You in that drive, you realize you didn't have Will Fuller. Will had played the first half with Kiki, so now Will's out. So now you got to adjust, and so you adjust by kind of dink and dunk a little bit more than maybe you want to, but you do that all the way down to get Deshaun the touchdown drive up in Indianapolis, and then with the game here, you lost DeAndre Carter on the inside, you're already without Will Fuller, you're already without Kiki QT, so you kind of just went into F-150 mode. Instead of Lamborghini mode, you went F-150 mode, and that's why I still think this offense, even though it struggled at times against Indianapolis, I still think it can be tough on opposing defenses because it can kind of get in different modes. Uh-huh. It can kind of go with all those big tight ends and run the ball a little bit, get an F one fifty mode, kind of just take little, you know, little, little chunks of yards, as opposed to getting in Lamborghini mode where they can just two play drive, boom, boom, done. Yeah, and they can do different things. I just, I wish that they could be a little bit more proficient with the deep ball. Kind of back to your point, yeah. I think it's the one thing that Deshaun would love to do. I think Bill O'Brien would love to do. I think the whole offense would love to do it. I mean, those one, those. The, the deep ball is so demoralizing. I mean, look what happened to us when T.Y. hit that deep ball. I was like, Ugh. I mean, it's, just, it's so demoralizing. You want to you wanna talk a little bit more about demoralizing? Okay, 2019, theoretically, you're going to have DeAndre Hopkins at full strength. Yep. Marius Thomas at full strength. I think Will Fuller will be back from the ACL. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be ready to rock week one. You're going to have Kiki QT, I think. I think he's going to figure out these hamstring things. Yeah, it's going to be better. And then yeah. you're, you still got DeAndre Carter. And to me, that's a sack full of grenades at the wide receiver position. You still have the rookie tight ends who are – I mean, all three of your tight ends made yep. plays this last week. I mean, that is a lot of weapons for, for Deshaun Watson. Man, it's a, it is definitely a lot of firepower. And, and I you think... can have another another year of uh, learning that Deshaun Watson has no gone doubt. through. No doubt. I mean, we, we obviously – you know, I told you this morning I was actually in the shower and I thought, man, I was talking to myself as I typically do. I was like, man, if we had Fuller and QT, we would be, like you said, we would be dropping grenades on everybody. There would be no, nobody would be stopping us at this point. But, you know, that's, that's, the NFL, that's what man. happens. Yeah, I mean, health. look, the Eagles last year lost a couple of key, part, uh, key pieces on the offense, including Carson Wentz. They found a way to go go win games a little differently. So the Texans are going to have to do the same. And they adjusted. They adjusted. 
And the adjustment was we're going to throw the ball to tight ends a little bit more. We're going to get Griff involved. We're going to get Jordan, the two Jordan rookies involved. And, and they did. They had 11 targets, 11 catches. And I think that's got to be, okay, a little bit more of the offense from that. that. So we maybe have to get into F-150 mode again. Fine. Yeah. If that's what we have to do, it's what we have to do. It's how you're going to have to win games. So what mode, turning the page to the Jets, would you describe the Jets' offense? Because they're 30th in yards per game in the NFL. They are 21st in rushing yards per game in the NFL. They are 30th in passing yards per game in the NFL. They throw for 191 yards per game, John. They are worst in the NFL on third down on offense. They are the worst in the NFL in the red zone on offense. What would you use to describe their offense if we have an F-150 offense at times, if we have a Lamborghini offense at times? What are these New York Jets on offense in your eyes? Boy, that's a good question. And I'm not saying this to demean them because they got a rookie quarterback. And yeah. you gotta you gotta always remember that. But this is an offense that has all these rankings, and then on top of that, on Wednesday, excuse me, on Tuesday, their three running backs didn't practice. Yep. I mean, how do we describe this offense? It, well, it's it's tough because Remember back to 2015? We didn't have one game in 2015 where we scored more than 28 points, yep. 27 points. Jets put up 27 the other day against Buffalo. Against the best, I think, the best defense the Texans have faced this I year. Agreed. I agree. the Bills defense is the best defense the Texans have seen this year. And the Jets put up 27. Now, it's a little later in the year. The Jets were able to capitalize on a couple of turnovers, those kind of things, but still put up 27 points. Now, I think there have been a couple of things. Number one, They've been dealing with the rookie, with Sam Darnold, and then Sam's been in and out of the lineup due to injury. So then they've had to go to Josh McCown for a little while. Hold on. <laughs> you said Josh McCown, so that's this, I knew it. this I time knew of it. the podcast here in the lab. I went to SMU. Josh McCown was a year or two younger than me at SMU, and SMU, for some reason, could not figure out how to keep this guy on the field and capitalize on his talents. He's been in the NFL for 20 years, but he couldn't make it at SMU in the late 90s, John. Josh wound up transferring to Sam Houston. Yeah, I don't blame him. Good for the Bearcats. I love Josh McCown, but why <laughs> couldn't the SMU Mustangs capitalize on Josh McCown? <laughs> uh, uh, this is what happens when Josh McCown comes up on this pile. We love Josh. I love Josh McCown. Yeah, he's, he's great. I think he's been great. he's been great for the league. I think he's been great for every team he's been on. Yeah. And he's been great for the Jets in that they've had an option. They've been able to stay in games because Josh is a vet, and he can he can do some things uh, in and out of the pocket. He can move around even for being what seems like 80 years old. The guy can do a little bit uh, of everything. But the problem is you have a rookie for a while, and then he's hurt. Then you go to McCown, and you go back to the rookie, and then he's banged up again. So you go back to McCown, and you go back to Darnold. And so it's slowed the progress of Darnold. It's it's probably kept them from consistency with with McCown had they just gone with McCown the whole year. But you're hoping at that point, hey, we can just go with Sam Darnold and away we go. And I think when you have a rookie quarterback, you're going to have some inconsistency. And I think that would have happened to the Texans last year a little bit. I think they would have had some inconsistent moments at some point. But the one advantage that Deshaun had over anything else was he had the number one receiver in the league in DeAndre Hopkins, and he had a true deep threat in Will Fuller. So he and he had he had some really good tight ends to throw to. Well, 
you know, Robbie Anderson is a true deep threat. I mean, Robbie Anderson is the Jets' Will Fuller, but they just don't have a DeAndre Hopkins to throw to. Hey, it's third and eight, and we need 10 yards. Throw the ball to 10. Yeah. It's third and five. Throw the ball to 10. It's third down. Throw the ball to 10. We're you in the red zone. Throw the ball to 10. 12 yards back. Yeah. I mean, bra- yeah, it's- you just, the Jets don't have, you know, Quincy Inunua is a, is a good number three receiver. Quincy Inunua could come to Houston and be the number three wide receiver and be awesome. Be great. But he's really the number one outside of Robbie Anderson. So you just, you don't have a lot of pieces around him. You mentioned the running backs. They're all seemingly dead at this point. Um, dealing with injuries. So I think that's really kind of pulled away at the fabric of what offense the Jets really wanted to have. That all said, Sam Darnold can be a problem and, and will be a problem. I, in fact, I did a Telstrator for uh, KPRC2, the game day show, mm-hmm. and the touchdown that he throws to make it 20-13, to 13, it's straight out of Deshaun Watson's playbook. He drops back the throw. He gets he gets some pressure. He starts bailing out to the right because that's where the the route was originally supposed to go. All of a sudden, a couple of blue shirts show up. He takes off all the way. He he peels all the way back to almost the thirty yard line. Starts moving towards the line of scrimmage, and the Jets receivers just keep moving, just keep moving. And all of a sudden, he sees Robbie Anderson dart back to the middle of the field. One bill defensive back looks at him, gets his eyes on him, and that's all it took. And Darnold slips in there. It's tie ball game, twenty twenty. I think it's also important to remember that. There were there were some smart people, some smart talent evaluators. I, I can't remember where, where you were on this, but there were some smart guys that had the idea that Darnold could have been the first overall pick in, in the draft. Sure, now it's number didn't three happen, didn't happen. But yeah. if people, if there's enough people thinking about that about you, mm-hmm. you're obviously pretty darn good, and you've got some talent there. I had Darnold one. I had Mayfield two. Yeah. Um, I had um, who did I have number three? I'm drawing a blank right now. But I had Rosen and Allen at the end. Oh, I had, I had Lamar. I think I had Lamar Jackson number three. Yeah. Um, because I just I – That's just, looking – I mean – I had seen – Yeah. I just saw Deshaun do so many things. It seems like every time you and I were on a road trip last year, uh, you sat next to me on the plane. Yeah. And they were playing. Louisville was playing. And you yeah. were talking about Lamar Jackson and sh- and pointing out, yeah, he can do that. This is how it can work in the NFL. This is yeah. – he's going to work in the NFL. And then he slides to the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, it's just typical Ravens. Thank God he didn't slide to Jacksonville because he well, he did slide to Jacksonville, did, but Jacksonville said, yeah. nah, we're good. I think Jacksonville would like to have that back. But anyhow, the the point being, people have known uh, that that Sam Darnold, I mean, we have, we have personal evaluators in this building that spent time with the New York Jets last year and spent a lot of time studying Sam Darnold. So – they know what he can do. We all know what he can do. It's just a matter of are you catching him at the right time as a rookie because he hasn't he hasn't played a ton of games, and not sure he, got he has a little, the talent around him either. Yeah, it's like you were talking about the receivers. Yeah. He's not know? he's not protected all that well. He doesn't have a ton of receivers to get open. So I think you start putting some things around him. And it's not as if it's not as if you know Sam is is so dependent on his weapons. But I guarantee you, Deshaun probably doesn't have quite the year. That he has, if his receivers aren't DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. Yep. I mean that that definitely helped Deshaun. There's no question. I think he would tell you that. Everybody will tell you that. I mean that that helps a rookie's progress. No, no doubt about it. And I think Sam's going to get some weapons to go with him. But what Sam can do is create. And he's a big dude. He's he's about he's about ten pounds less than Andrew Luck, but he's the same height. He's six four. He's two twenty five. Big guy. Andrew's probably two thirty, two thirty five. If you're going to get back there. You gotta you gotta bring everything you got. And the Texans, how many times did they get a hand? I mean, even on the deep ball to T. Y. Hilton, Clowney had an arm 
kind of striking luck in the chest as he's throwing the ball. There was a key – the one of the key moments, I thought, in the entire game against the Colts, Clowney came – I would say free, but he beat Costanzo. And he got two hands on Andrew Luck on that field goal drive at the end of the half, and he couldn't bring him down. Luck escaped out, got to the 25-yard line, and all of a sudden they're thinking, oh, wait, we can go get points now. So – when you get back there, he's a big guy. You're going to have to bring everything you've got to bring him down. John, have you stolen a Christmas tree in your life? I have. Is hey. it time for in the lab story time? It's time for in the lab story time. It's time for in the lab story time. What's I, the deal, dude? I have told I've told this story before. It, it is the holidays, yeah. and so the holidays are about giving. Yep. And you and I have we've we've given plenty over the years. So I was I was a senior in high school. Okay, here at at uh, Lamar Consolidated High School. You're the valedictorian. I was. Yep. Uh, I was. I'm not bragging when I say this, but in Richmond Rosenberg's not a big town, so people knew who I was and yep. knew my dad because my dad was a coach and a teacher at Lamar Consolidated. And so it is December 23rd, two days before Christmas. It's one of my favorite days of the year. It's one of my four yeah. favorite days of the year. December 23rd. Now. What I have found out later in life is that most people get their Christmas holiday decorations out Thanksgiving time. Mm-hmm. That's what my wife does. It. My wife is like, yep. you know what is going up in Thanksgiving. Now, the thing is, is she does it because she's, she's like me. She's very particular about certain things. Yeah. The lights and decorations, that's her deal. Like, I'll get some of it out, but she's putting it up. I mean, it, it, You're the muscle. She's yeah. the, uh, the, the decorator. So... What I didn't know growing up, though, was that people thought that way. Um, because my parents and I didn't start thinking about any of that until, like, late December. And my senior year, we had been in a basketball tournament, and we just had stuff going on. My parents were teachers, and so they didn't get off of, they didn't get off of school until, like, December 19th, 20th, something like that. So This is, like, 1989? Yeah. Yeah. This is – so, so it's there was it, an ice storm that came through that Christmas, like right yeah. before that Christmas. Yeah. So, anyhow, it was uh, we just always waited for some. It just so December twenty third, and it's like, Mom, Dad, we don't have a damn tree up. Can, should we go? Can we go get a tree? And so they're like, Yeah, go go get a tree. Go get us a tree. Like, all right, cool. So I call up my friend, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out. His name is Jason Harden, one of my best friends, one of my one of my brosses for life. Okay. And I call up Jason and I'm like I'm like, Jason, come with me. I gotta get a tree. You come with me? He goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we go up to the Kroger that's uh off of Avenue H, um, right behind or near near the near the market consolidated. We go up and there's one pretty nice Christmas tree outside of Kroger, because I knew that's where you could get them. And like the Stevie Wonder song? Yeah. And there's one Christmas tree left. And so I'm out there and waiting and waiting and waiting. And so Jason's got, for some reason, Jason's driving my car. I don't know why. He's driving my car or my parents' car, which my parents hated because one time Jason stole my keys and went off and took my car somewhere and he had somebody hit the back. Uh, borrowed, borrowed. Yeah, borrowed. Not stolen. Uh, knowing Jason, it might have been stolen. But anyways. So I walk back to the car, and I'm like, I'm going in. He goes, dude, just take the tree. Pop the trunk, put the tree in the back, and let's go. Jason and I'm like, sounds like a ne'er-do-well. Jason's awesome, but he, he lived on that side of life, if you will. <laughs> so I go in, and I'm standing in line at – and I don't even know where to go. But there's nobody outside. There's nobody anywhere. It's this one lonely tree. And so I'm standing in line for about 
three or four minutes and we're not moving. I'm a customer service. I don't know. People are doing lottery or whatever. And so no lottery back then, something else. They're buying, in my, buying yeah. carpet cleaners. Yeah. Something in my mind. I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Jason's right. Jason's right. It was like, I go walk back out and he at this point had parked the car. I was like, drive up. Let's go. And he goes, really? I was like, yeah, let's go. Pulls up, brakes, flip open the trunk. I grab the tree, throw it in the back. We don't even tie anything. We just throw it in the back. We take off. We drive over to Lamar Consolidated, and we get to where we're kind of we kind of tuck ourselves back behind the school where nobody can see us. Tie it down, bring it home. I bring it in the house. We get in the house, stand it up, look at it. Me and Jason are like, yeah, sweet. My parents are like, whoa. That's awesome. That's a great tree on December 23rd. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, y'all decorate it. So college, a couple of years later, I never told my, I didn't tell my parents about right. it. You know, wh- what happened? They just asked how much it was. I was like, oh, I don't know. It was, it was, it wasn't expected. You know, I kind of just played it off. A few years later, Jason was out of my house and he kind of let it slip about the Christmas tree as a senior. <laughs> He's like, did you ever tell your parents about that? I was like, shut up, dude. <laughs> and my mom heard that and she goes, well, what? And, Jason's like, we stole that Christmas tree, Ms. Harris. And I was like, Jason? And my, my mom just looked at me like, you did what? And I was like, Mom, there was one Christmas. Then I told her the whole story, and I got done. And my, my mom is pretty much a straight arrow, even more than I am. And she got done. She was like, well, that was such a fine Christmas tree. We left it up till February. <laughs> left the whole th- left it up. They got their money's worth. They got yeah. Well, they would have gotten their money's worth if they taken it out three days later. But it ended up being a good tree. But that was uh, yeah. I stole I stole a Christmas tree. John, that's a good story. I like that. I went back and I told I told Kroger about it and I gave them some money. I'm sure down the road. I've given Kroger m- much of my money over the years. So I don't Statue feel too bad about it. Yeah, there's but yeah, there's no citizens rest that's gonna happen. Here. They might, they might kind of have to. You took a Christmas tree. I was like, look, here's the way I look at it. That Christmas tree was going into chipper at some point. Mm-hmm. I gave it two more months of life. Yeah, we saved that Christmas tree. It's good. We didn't steal it. We saved it. And that's this edition of In the Lab Storytime. Last week we heard about my meeting with Randy the Macho Man Savage. This week we heard about John and uh, his. Was that? A, would that be a felony or a misdemeanor? No, think? it's listen. It was we made. He was breaking the law. Johnny breaking the law. That's true. Johnny I, lawbreaker. It's probably the only time I've ever broken a law of that. That's not a traffic ticket. I don't get traffic tickets, so it was really the only time I've broken a law. You're a conscientious driver, and you are all conscientious listeners. If you've stuck with us through this in the lab podcast, we appreciate you listening. And we'll talk to you next week after Texans win over the Jets. Eh? <laughs> Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-